Hi, this is Rashawn, your early childhood coach with a childcare experience. Thank you for joining my podcast. You can find us on the following social media platforms, Facebook under ECE Coach with a Child Care Experience. You can also find me at the Early Learning Child Care with Owners and Directors Real Talk Facebook group, as well as you can email me at childcaremedia at yahoo.com, or you can simply call me up. My number is 210-749-2865. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this opportunity very much. It's our pleasure. Um, to everyone out there, we have on the show today, Rashawn Webb. She is the founder, CEO, and head trainer at Rainbow Institute of Childcare Education. She's also the director of a preschool program in San Antonio, uh, also an instructor at uh, Penn Foster College. Delighted to have her on the show today. Rashawn, let's start off learning a little bit about you and how you got so involved in early childhood education. Yes, absolutely. So it all started when I was a little girl myself. Um, I remember being in middle school and helping the parents at the church that I was going to and the pastor would specifically call on me to help the parents so that way they can listen to the teachings while I was able to work with their children and it just grew from there until when I was in high school I made it a profession and my first official job I had my own babysitting business but my first official job was my junior year of high school working at a daycare center right around the corner from my house now and I started in the infant uh, the toddler classroom and that's been my first love and so it 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 just took over and I always said I wanted to be a director I wanted to get my CDA and own my own business and that was it and so it just went from there after I got my CDA I took one class and I was like oh gosh I've been bit by the bug and so I started going to school and I kept going Um, I was still working in preschool programs after school programs and I graduated with a bachelor's um, from the University of the Incarnate Word and um, by then I had already had my own center I was in different positions within the YMCA and other organizations and um, and so in 2017 I received my master's from Walden University in early childhood and adult education I fell in love with teaching adults I started teaching and coaching adults before it became popular Um, and I fell in love with it and people were coming to me asking me questions and I was like this is pretty cool vice presidents and you know it was just young but vice presidents and presidents of colleges were asking me questions and I fell into and I fell more in love with it Um, and so I became um, I became an early childhood coach before I knew it was that and um, and so I've been with it ever since so it's been about 20 22 years now I think that I've been in this business and I've done everything you can think of I've planned organized I've opened centers down I've helped close them down I've worked side by side with licensing inspectors so I've done everything I've taught at conferences I've coached one-on-one with directors and owners I teach at con- I mean I've just done everything and I love this profession I love how it's changed um, I love when I was able when I went to school and learned the science behind it and I was able to bring it to the 
childcare, daycare world, so to speak, and implement some of the things that I've learned and some of the things that I've been able to teach other teachers and directors that may have not had the chance to go to college and learn at the scientific level. And I've had that opportunity and I've, I've loved every minute of it. I've loved every minute of it. And so over time, things change. I became an author. Um, life happens and you become an expert at certain things. So I became an author. I have my own t-shirt line for essential workers. I did, things just started progressing. And so I'm just going along with the progression. Very cool. And one of the topics we wanted to discuss with you today was around microaggressions in early childhood education. Yes. Let's start off maybe just with the question of what are microaggressions generally? Yes, absolutely. So the term microaggression, which is a pretty popular term and a lot of people have seen it and may have not have recognized it but microaggression is simple it's a verbal behavioral and environmental um, ignity that communicates hostile derogatory or negative racial slights and insults to a target audience or a group so basically um, you know you're speaking to someone and you may say an off comment because of their race or their gender or their social economic status that is considered micro microaggression I, for me, for example, every I am a proud African-American female and everyone say, oh, well, you don't talk black. And I'm like, well, what does that mean exactly? What does talking black mean? So right there, that would imply you already have a stereotypical thought of how an African-American person should talk. And so that's pretty much the overall term of microaggression. But then you start to dive into what the specifics of microaggression is and it kind of steps on people's toes a little bit. And you've been in the field of early childhood education for many years. Yes. Why is it important for us to educate ourselves on microaggressions in the specific context of early childhood education? Well, it is important because we live in a time and we've seen the videos where um, individuals have blasted out loud, I'm going to teach my granddaughter, my grandson to hate black people, although they'll use that word. And so it's important to educate ourselves because we are going to be raising these, you know, we're going to be teaching and educating these children who are going to be with us, you know, from five to six, upwards of 10 to 12 hours a day. And they're going to bring that environment to the school. Just because mom and dad is not around, that doesn't mean that environment goes away. And so um, anything that they're taught or anything that they have been instructed at home, they're going to bring it to the center. So we must educate ourselves on what to look for um, and to debunk that environment because those children are around you know, a, a plethora of children that may not look like them, they may not talk like them and act like them. And we have to do our best as educators to educate parents, families, and teachers on the correct way to handle what happens when you address someone that may not look or talk or act like you do due to their ethnicity or their socioeconomic background or their status. So we have, we definitely have to educate ourselves and educate the families. You know, we are, the families are, is the first teacher. The parents are the first teacher instructor for those children. And we are the second. And so we have to do our best to encourage families to educate. And we don't have to blatantly come out and say, oh, you need to educate or, oh, you need to do these things or other. No, we find resources that we can, um, that we can slide, so to speak, into the parents and into the classroom and into our resource center, just so that way parents can look at things a lot differently. Yeah, so there's there's sort of several stakeholders.
stakeholders here that you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can talk about each of them individually. Cause okay. You, you have, I guess, first of all, you've got your the teachers. Yes. Um, and then secondly, you have the parents and the families. Yes. And then thirdly, you have the, the children themselves. Yes. Um, so let's start off with teachers. And, uh-huh. and you know, if, if, if I'm an owner or a director of a child care program, how can I educate my teachers on microaggression and educate them on on it and its importance and, and start there? Because that is, I think, sort of the central point um, for the conversation would be my guess. Sure. Yes. And one of the things I will say what I do with my staff, um, my, we, the, the best way I've learned, the best way to get people to be less rigid and to hear what you're saying is to provide them with food and snacks and things that kind of keep their mind going chocolates and different other candy items so I always have those tough conversations with my staff around food Um, especially if it's something that we have to do during a lunch hour or at the end of the day they are hungry and so I always kind of if I'm gonna have that tough conversation I do my best to provide my staff with something I know that they love and they like and so we sit and we discuss you know what's going on and microaggression is a hot button topic right now and so I start them off with okay what do you know what is the top what what do you know about microaggression what have you seen what have you heard and so from there I start I begin to based on what they've seen and what they've heard I begin to debunk their what they've seen and heard with facts with videos with literature with websites that they can go to to learn on their own um, more about microaggression because at the end of the day as a director I'm also uh, their teacher their mentor their educator Um, I'm all things to them so dealing with staff members because of the different children that come into the center they're going to already have their own opinions and biases about the children that are in um, that are in our care and you know some will admit that they don't but in actuality they do behind the scenes or in their heart at home in their car they have their biases on the children that, that they have their feelings towards and so I use that time to talk with my staff about microaggression and give examples. And I say, if you're guilty, we need to find other ways to express ourselves where we don't use microaggression to describe a child, to describe a family member, or, or to describe a family. And it's so easy to do, so easy to do, and we're, we're not aware of it a lot of times because we think, oh, that's a stereotype, that's what they say, or that's what, they're, you know, that's what we say about them. But in actuality, that is microaggression at its finest. And how do you create a safe space where people feel comfortable contributing to that conversation? Because I think one of the challenges with conversation on race is uh, a lot of people just don't want to talk about it. They're very uncomfortable with that conversation. Is there things that you can do? I like the food example. <laughs> it's a very practical idea. Yeah. <laughs> Are there other things that we can do? Absolutely. One of the things I've always done, whatever class I've taught or whatever center I've been at, I've always taken on the planet fitness philosophy by saying this is a safe space. This is a judgment free zone. You are able to say what you think, what you feel. Um, You are able to be yourself. However, of course, within reason, otherwise we have to have a come to Jesus meeting in my office. But when we start the meeting off, I always start the meeting off with letting my staff know 
you are allowed to say what you need to say. I would rather you say it here where it's safe so that way I can guide you in the right way and we can work on what you need to work on versus you going home, blasting it on social media, blasting it to other people who won't see it the way we do because they're getting it secondhand information. So I do my best to start the meeting off with a positive you know, a food, of course, is always appropriate food and drinks and all that and snacks. And then I just kind of ease them into what we're going to talk about. They're all, I already let them know in advance what the conversation can be about. But because for my group, we are um, an African-American and Hispanic group here at our center. And so that we're already, we're always going to be the hot topic of conversation because we're considered minorities. So we're always mindful of when we have those conversations, this is the conversation, this is the mindset we're coming from. We don't, we don't um, tear anybody down. We're not going to discuss, you know, ugly things about each other's race and ethnicities and so on. We're here to lift each other up and get a better understanding. I think if people understood the term getting a better understanding, they will be able to see, oh, my thoughts and my thinking has been off because I haven't gotten a better understanding. So I usually start the meeting off with letting my staff know we're here to get an understanding, a better understanding of what you need to know and how you need to carry yourself in a professional manner. Yeah, the non-judgment thing I think is pretty key because mm-hmm. uh, the reality is, for better or for worse, everybody is starting from a different place in right. terms of their level of understanding. Right. And, and so that's teachers. And, you know, I think that one might be a little bit easier in yes. that, to your point. You know, yes. if you're the director or owner, they see you as the mentor. And yes. this is, you know, maybe even viewed as like a, a training but when it comes to parents and families, that's yeah. a little bit more tricky. Yes. Um, so how do you navigate that conversation with them? Well, with parents, again, it's all about being a resource. And I'll, I, every teacher, director, owner I've ever taught or mentored, I always let them know we are a resource. We're not God. We are not the end all be all, but we are a resource. So that requires us to have a little background knowledge of hot topics. So that way, if it darks your, if it docks your door, you know how to handle it. Thankfully, I have never, and I, 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 I thank God I've never had to deal with any racist parents. I've never had to deal with any parents that have questioned my, um, my professionalism or my, my, degrees or my success based on the color of my skin or my my hair or my you know my uh, the way I conduct myself I've never had that happen um, but in in doing so I've always had resources available for parents and so if they say hey Mr. Sean I need to know x y and z I've always been able to say well you can go here 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 or if I did know I have no problem saying well I don't know but here is a colleague of mine that does and so I've been able to answer questions for all of my parents. I've been able to accept all my parents where they are, who they are. Um, I don't get into their personal unless they decide to divulge it to me and then it stays with me. Um, but I've done my best to be a resource for parents who, you know, they, they want to add their culture to our center, you know, especially with Black History Month. You know, we tried to do things with the kids about Black History Month. We try to do things when it comes to Hispanic Heritage Month, Chinese New Year, all of those different things. We've done our best um, with our limited resources to add to the center so that way children are aware that there's more than just myself in this world. Children only see their color, their hairstyle, their everything. But once they become of age, which is usually about two or three, they start to realize, oh, my friend looks like me. Oh, my friend, her hair is different from mine. I want to do my hair like hers, but I can't. So I do my best to be a resource to both parents and children. 
Yeah, I like that. Um, what you said, sort of about we're a resource. Right? Yes, you're you're just positioning it from sort of like an educational perspective, and you know we're here to provide resources for you yes. as you know one of various options for you to get information. That's, yes, it's very. Um, it, it's not in your face. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what about most important of all? Um, the children so mm-hmm. uh is there certain things we can do to create a safe space for staff to have these conversations and make this part of the classroom absolutely so one thing we've always seen growing up but we've always seen one ethnicity or one culture when it comes to displays and posters in the classroom and so we can start with that we can start with adding um Um, pictures of the um, Hispanic families or the Mexican families or um, African-American families, even families that are from um, Africa, from India, from all the different countries and all the plethora of beautiful people in the world. We can start with that. We can start by adding, you know, encouraging pictures and posters in our classroom that represent an African-American family. We can also add books in our literature section. Those centers who are NACI accredited, one of the requirements for NACI, and I want to say Texas Rising Star, is they have to have a multicultural, um, they have to have multicultural puppets, dolls, um, posters, as well as books and, and literature in their reading area. So they're encouraging um, they're encouraging ethnic diversity. They're in col- they're encouraging, um, social economic diversity. Um, and that allows the children to get to know other people, you know, the children other than themselves. Um, and so they can start with that. They can start with adding in different games or uh, coloring activities or art projects that resemble what someone from Poland might do or what someone from France or Paris might do. They can set their dramatic play up to be a f- cute little French bistro that they may have never seen here in San Antonio, um, but they can act like they're in Paris. And so now we're teaching them about another culture, another language, another way of doing things, another social economic class. So there's a lot that we can do and there's tons of resources and websites out there that can help the teachers expand um, especially the the um, the dominant culture to get them to expand past themselves because sometimes we get stuck in our own culture and our own way of doing things and we don't want to think outside the box or think of other cultures because we're stuck with ourselves but we are doing a disservice to ourselves and to our students and our parents by saying I'm going to stick with this culture this race because I'm comfortable same thing with an African-American lead teacher if she decides to stay with her culture and her race in the classroom she's doing herself herself a disservice. So it's our job to add in the multicultural, to add in the different um, games, art projects, cooking experiences, cooking projects. Oh my gosh, so much that you can do with that just to add in diversity so that way everyone can feel like they are a part of the classroom. Yeah, it's interesting. And I guess, sort of forgive my ignorance here, but you know, what a part of what you're saying is, and what I'm taking away from this, which mm-hmm. totally makes sense, is for young children, they don't really understand what a microaggression is. Right. Probably, it, it, like it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Right. That, um, you know, to a two or a three-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, which is, so for, for, for in the classroom, it's more about exposing them to yes. all the different yes. cultures and races of the yes. world versus with adults, it's a more nuanced conversation around, you know, what are microaggressions right. and, and how you can how you should educate 
yourself about them. Right, absolutely. And then, you know, even with the children, with the children interacting with each other, you may have a child that say, well, I can't, I don't want to play with you because, because you're, you're darker than me or our skin color is different. And some children are taught that. And, you know, I say in the most professional manner I can, shame on those that do that because that child is taught not to play with that child because of the color of their skin. That is something that the child didn't learn on their own. They were taught that. And so with the classroom, we have all, no, 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 you're all, all friends. No, we're not going to do that. Everyone's going to play together. And so inclusion is important. Inclusion is it's not just for the school system, school districts, but inclusion starts in early childhood, getting the children to play with each other, no matter if the child has, is in a wheelchair or a walker or has a cane or anything. No, we allow that child to play with it. How can we tweak the project, tweak the toy, tweak the learning experience so that way all children feel like they're included? And so that kind of gets me thinking about a little bit of the conversation we were having before, which is, you know, in this case of the child, for example, who, who says something like that, mm-hmm. do we do we then go, you know, do you go to the parent and have that conversation with them? You know, I'm challenging a little bit my own, uh, you know, comment earlier mm-hmm. of not being too in your face. Like right. maybe we should, you know, maybe we should be creating that tension um, right. with families if, if those situations are arising. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, one thing I... I'm a, and my mother has taught my brother and I to get along with everybody. You know, you don't just sit with one group of people. You get along with everybody. So I, I agree on your challenge that if there is a situation in the classroom where someone does say that, it's time to bring that parent in for a conference. It's time to have that conversation because that means that child picked that up from somewhere. And I don't think a lot of adults realize that even though you may have said something real small and a five minute conversation but that child soaked up the whole conversation probably better than they they did being in the conversation and so um talking with those parents letting them know you know and not coming from the standpoint of i blame you even though on the inside i'm fussing i'm you know this you know that's my daycare baby i can't believe you did that as a parent but on the outside as a professional um as a professional person i'm saying you know hey this is what we've noticed have you noticed anything at home putting it back off on the parents what have you seen what have you noticed um and then having them come clean about what they've seen and let them know she or he did not pick that up here we don't believe in that that is not our motto that's not how we how we teach our children that's not how we love on our children so they have picked it up from somewhere so over time as that um, tension begins because once you bring that to the forefront, okay, now there's a now there's a little bit of a tension there. There's a little bit of blockage there. Eventually, the real truth of where it came from is going is going to come out. So, um, we bring that to our parents because we keep that open um, that open line of communication is so key. Even if it's sticky and even if it's uncomfortable, keeping that open line of communication for the sake of the children is the number one priority. Yeah, and I think that this is a good conversation because part of it is you have to force yourself as a director or uh, maybe even a teacher to have those difficult conversations. It it reminds me of, uh, you know, we did a podcast on um, uh, LGBTQ Uh and, you know, sort of a similar point of, Uh you know, if you're very open and you don't pass judgment about sex, sexual orientation or race, and you know uh, there's families that disagree with that Mm -hmm. it it is important that you have that conversation because maybe at the end of the day your program's not the right fit for them 
Right. Absolutely. And that's okay. You know, one of the things that, you know, we're taught is, you know, you can either, you know, accept all the children in or you can do a vetting process because you want to make sure, you know, we add, we have the all about me questions and stuff. And the children at the time when the children could come in ahead of time, we allow them to play with the kids while I talk with the parents while we go through the tour just to see how they act, how they interact with the teachers, the children. Um, and just to kind of go through that vetting process for them, I think, oh, this is so nice. And it's like, in my mind, no, I'm vetting you out. I'm vetting out your child to make sure that we are a good fit, um, because monies will have been invested with the, the with the down uh, deposit and the registration fees and all that. And so I want to make sure that this is a good for. And that's okay. Not every child is going to be fit for your program, and that's okay to admit, and that's okay to say out loud, um, and and recognize that, and just know that you know you have a standard and a way you want things done, and not every child or family is going to fit that standard, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, the fit goes both ways. Yes, for sure. yes. Point. We can't forget that. Um, to wrap things up, as we're running out of time, unfortunately, any other sort of words of advice or encouragement for our audience? I will say, um, and I was thinking about this um, last night and this morning, I will say um, invest in the science of early childhood. And I say that because one of the things that we often use is daycare, childcare. But invest in the science of early childhood and early childhood. And what that means is go to school, take some classes. We take our normal um, training classes because the state requires us to. And that's for childcare licensing. That's for daycare. But when you go to the college level, you're learning the fundamentals of early childhood. You start from inf- you start from conception, what's going on in the body, how they learn, how you know what where they're hearing, all the way until puberty all the way until uh, college and adulthood. So invest in the science of early childhood. Understand what that means, early childhood. They're learning early, early childhood. They're, they're having an experience of their lifetime being able to learn through science, math, technology, STEM and STEAM, through cooking projects. I mean, just a plethora of things. And I will also say, don't just stick to this daycare stereotype. I've heard people say stereo, daycares are getting a bad rap right now. And I'll let them know, well, you can change that with your center. You can change that with the way that you do things and what resources and knowledge and understanding that you bring to your program. At the end of the day, daycare, childcare, early child, we're not babysitters. We are professionals who love working, educating, and helping children grow. Because at the end of the day, they're going to one day be the adults that are, they may give us our medication. And you want to make sure they give the right amount. They're going to be the ones to give us, write us tickets if we get pulled over for speeding. And you want to make sure that they can read the right thing. So it starts with us. Early childhood is us. We are early childhood. The child's education and early years start with us. So invest in it. Take the time. Take a class or two at a college level. Understand what that means. I promise you, it, it may, it'll challenge you to be the best teacher that you can be. 100%. Uh, Rashawn, if our listeners want to learn more about your work or get in touch with you, where can they go to get more information? Absolutely. So um, you can do it the old-fashioned way. You can give me a call on my work number or my, my business line, which is 210-749-2865. You can also email me at rainbowchildcarelearning at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at Rainbow Education TX. Um, or you can just look me up, Rashawn Webb, on Facebook. Um, I am I I consider myself a walking 
um, I consider myself a walking library, a walking resource. Um, I, I, it comes off the top of my head. I've been doing it for 20 something years. And so I pride myself on being able to ask a question at any time. So those are the ways that you can contact me. Um, I also, I don't know if I can do this, but I also have my podcast as well. Um, early childhood coach with a child care experience. Or you can find me on my website, rainbowchildcarelearning.com. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to know where you're from, what you're doing, and how I can help. I'm, I'm a servant I, uh, that would love to help your center grow. I will travel to you. We can talk by phone. I'm open to anything and everything. You let me know how I can help you. Awesome. Thank you for being so open. Uh, Absolutely. To our audience here. Absolutely. Totally appreciate it. Yeah, and appreciate you joining us on the podcast today, too, Rashawn. It's been a delight having you and talking about yes. such an important uh, subject. Yes. And, uh, we could have went on a lot longer, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> that just means but, we have uh, to do a part two. <laughs> we can. We could totally do a part two, and we may take you up on that. Okay. Uh, thanks I will. so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it, and, and, you know, everyone stay safe and do what y'all need to do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rashawn. Thank All right, you. that's a wrap. Uh, how'd it feel? Loved it. Good. Loved Good. it. That's I could great. do this all day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I know, me too. I, I definitely could have continued on that conversation. I know. I, I told different ones, I was like, if they invite me to Canada, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Hopefully we can make that happen. That would be so cool. I I would I mean I would love to get involved however way I can. I I um actually we had our TXAYC conference and we had some representatives of Hi Mama. Um I had one of the representatives actually in my class. I was I was teaching a class on um social media um in the classroom and I had one of the representatives um from Hi Mama. They had a booth and so we were talking a little bit and then I had a conference call actually with one of the representatives because I was thinking of joining Hi Mama um, at our center and I was kind of going through all of the things and I was like, ooh, they can add that and add this and add that to the program. That would be so cool. Um, and so um, I'm actually thinking of opening up my center and so I might consider um, using Hi Mama. I, I was really um, considering using Hi Mama so I might do that. Cool, cool. Well, we'll ha we're happy to work with you in any way. So. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> cool. All right, well, um, thanks again for doing this, Rashawn. Absolutely. Uh, great to, to intro to you over this, and uh, let's stay in touch, and um, our, our team will follow up, too, with, with the podcast, okay. the one that's coming out when it's all polished and ready to go. Okay. And, um, let's stay in touch from there. Absolutely. I would love to. All right, have an awesome weekend, too. You, too. Thank you so much. All right, see you, Sean. Okay, bye-bye.